We're talking about <laughs> no, yeah, we're talking about hospitality, but we're talking about practical concerns about practicing hospitality. And if you remember all the way back to our first lesson about hospitality, these were the kinds of things that we talked about, like being fear for our safety, fear of being taken advantage of. And I mean, we sort of laugh at it, and we can give the Sunday school answer of, well, you know what you should do. But they're realistic concerns. I mean, obviously, bad stuff happens to good people all the time. And that's just kind of the world we live in. And good stuff happens to bad people. Yeah. A lot. Okay. But. You sound better. <laughs> well. Let's stay focused here. <laughs> so it's, but it, so it's not, it's not wrong or anything to have these concerns about practicing hospitality because you are putting yourself out there. And anytime you're putting yourself out there, it's involving risk and, uh, it, I mean, it's your, sort of your neck on the line there. So, yeah, it's, it's natural to have concerns. So the first three that we talked about were, uh, about not thinking that you don't have the gift of hospitality if it doesn't come easily to you. And we just sort of said, you know, hospitality doesn't have to look the same for everyone. And you can always do it with someone else if you're scared to be alone with someone that you don't know. Um, we talked about, well, what if I'm really frugal and it's hard for me to spend money and everything? And we said it's just because you're frugal with money and you don't like to spend it doesn't mean that you use the excuse that I don't have money, therefore I don't have to give anything. Because we looked at like monks who... They live very simply, but yet their whole existence was engineered to help others. And we also talked about what happens if your hospitality isn't reciprocated, um, even though Jesus told us that, that we shouldn't expect anything in return. But what happens if you fall into a situation where you're being taken advantage of? We shared some examples of that. So the, that, the last three that we're going to talk about are where are the boundaries what if someone steals from me, and having a stranger in my house is not safe? Okay, so the first one is, what if someone steals to me? Steals from me, not steals to me. I don't know how you do that. And they're stealing from God. Okay. They're stealing from part of the church, and you're part of the church, and the church is literally the body of God, so in essence, you're stealing from God. And yes, if you don't repent of this, it'll be dealt with later. They don't have to do that. Okay, uh, and I want to... It might be easy. Like, obviously, if someone steals from you, the, like, bloody vengeance is not the right course of action. I'm you, <laughs> okay. like an accident. I think we're all pretty clear on that, okay? stuff, Materialistic stuff is materialistic stuff. It's on a totally different plane than humans <laughs> and stuff like that, you know? You can't equate people with stuff. But... I think what makes this question a bit more difficult to answer is, what if you know, bringing someone in, that they'll most likely steal from you? What if you know that they'll take something from you? Because I don't know if you've ever been in that situation or have known people like that. You know that if you bring them in, or if they have the opportunity, they will take from you. So, yeah, hide the money. I can't, honestly, when I, we've had certain people over in my house, and... My dad's like, hey, mm -hmm. put your money away. Don't let this person see that. Yeah. Don't let them see where this is. And stuff like that. And 
So what if a person that you do that for whenever they come over, when you hide your stuff away like that, you bring them into your house and they have the opportunity to steal from you. You're pretty sure they're going to do that. So what do you do? Do you, is that an excuse not to practice hospitality or do you practice hospitality in a certain way? What do you think? I think the fun way to do it would be hide everything or even leave it out but catch them in the act but then give them to it give it to them instead of let them steal it because then it wouldn't technically be stealing so you no, make here, it you can have this so you make it then they'd be like oh. I don't know if I if I would actually hold true to what I just said yeah here you yeah. go and it's free. Oh, okay. but you're not trying <laughs> to steal it so not though <laughs> but yeah he just was he wasn't trying <laughs> he could have been saying he was kidding but he could have not actually been kidding he <laughs> okay. I mean, so you'd sort of make an object lesson out of it, then, making it more of an like yeah. an example. It'd be like keeping tools on them for sure, though. They'd Does like, that oh. see, stuff really matter? They, like they would hate that. Yeah, side trailer. You know, <laughs> keeping tools on someone is not as it sounds. Like that's not supposed. That's, it's not supposed to be. Like, I know. I'm just going to do this to keep tools on you. But no, but I mean, like even the keeping tools is not. Not in a vengeful sort of way. No, like, it's not supposed to hurt the person. It's actually no, bringing attention. But when you give you it to them... Do you know what you think goes on your avenue? Yeah, it brings... Burning them? No, it's bringing something to their attention. It's right? giving no. yeah. guilt. Right? It's no, it's literally... Coals. Like, when nomads live in the desert, they carry a box of coals on their head to start the Hot fire coals. at night. Otherwise, they have no way to protect themselves at night. So, if... You're keeping coals on someone's head. It's like you're like yeah. their fire so went out, and you're giving them the ability to start their fire again. Yeah, reigniting them. Wow. So it's not what? a vengeance. Then it's kind of like they owe you. Are they earned that you kind of? I I always just took it was that like Kate was that that person's gone out. You need to bring something. It brings something to light for them again. Yeah, or it like offers them something. That they were in need of. Mm-hmm. Like, it's providing them with ability to cook their food and something wild. So, what if by bringing somebody into your house, you know they're going to steal, or you know they would try to, because it's in their nature, and you you let them you actually let them steal from you? It's on their conscious, or maybe you can talk to them about stealing or something like that, but maybe God is also using that experience to help you let go of materialism, because it's just stuff. You can't take it with you to the afterlife. I mean, what more? They can't take any... What? I was going to say, unless you're Egyptian. (laughs) No, I I said you can't. I said you can't. You can't, can't, can't. Okay, I need to enunciate. She was joking with you. Oh. I don't know. I'm pretty sure that when I get to heaven, like, you know, Paul or whoever's at the gate there, is going to be like, oh, yeah, here's your name, and reaches in the back pocket. Here's your phone, man. <laughs> 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 like, <laughs> this person stole this from you? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, we have one of those here. And it, it gets the reception everywhere. But, yeah, what if it, it can, like, be doubly taken? Not only as a lesson for you for hospitality, but also helping you let go of materialism, because they can't take away what's real, what really matters to you. Mm-hmm. I think that the, it comes down to really 
does holding on to my stuff matter more to me than showing hospitality? But at the same time, it sort of goes back to what we're talking about when we have a person that's maybe taking advantage of you. You don't want to keep reinforcing a bad behavior. Like, if you know the person's going to steal from you, like, don't just leave your paycheck on the counter every week Sign. knowing that they're you going to do that. Take away the temptation. Yeah. It's yeah. going to be like a stumbling block. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think, <laughs> you know, we're supposed to be good stewards of what we've been given because really everything we have has been given. And, like, I think of that parable that Jesus told whenever the the master gave all his servants different amounts of money and said, do something with this till I get back. Like, had one of them let it get stolen, I'm pretty sure that was not being a very good <laughs> steward of the money. But can people steal talent? Yeah. Except if they're a talent manager. In that sense, it was talent as a manager. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that is a... <laughs> New light on things. It's a bad it's translation. <laughs> but, um, so at the same time, I would say... Don't enable a bad behavior, but at the same time, knowing that there's that risk, I, w- I wouldn't say that should be a hindrance to your hospitality. Wouldn't you almost have to have the right mindset in order to do that? Like, in order to hide your stuff, you would have to have the mindset of, I don't want this to be a stumbling block for them, and you hide it, rather than somebody saying, I don't want them stealing this, <laughs> so you hide it. I mean... It all goes back to motivation, really. Yeah. I I guess, okay, if I was in this situation, this is just what I would do. I mean, I have places I keep money. Okay, I'll keep the money there. And if if they take it, they take it. Um, if, if I've noticed some of it's gone, I don't, I'd probably, and if this was the first time, I probably wouldn't approach them about it. I'd move wherever I keep my money to a different place just so they, you know, they couldn't go back and keep on, you know, dipping their hands into it <laughs> and using it frivolously like that. And I think in that way, if I had moved it and they went back, they would know I knew. But at the same time, I wasn't shaming them by saying, look what you've done to me. And I, that's just my opinion on the subject, how I would handle it. Anyone have any other thoughts on that particular point? Sorry, I just got an image of Joseph. You took this from me. Oh, how dare you take this from me? And really, brought his family together again. I don't know if you want to know if your brother sins against you, you're supposed to let the like confront him, though. Yeah, that's like a brother. <laughs> but if they're not a brother. Well, if they are a brother, though, and they still steal something from you. If it's a Christian who does that, then I would definitely confront them. Yeah, I'm I'm talking about someone. Well, I'm saying someone who's not a believer. Okay. Like, yeah, if they're if they're calling themselves a Christian yet they're like just going around, like obviously they're they're saying they're part of the body of Christ. They're subject to that. But if it's like, and I doesn't steal a toenail. What? Sorry, sorry, that was the wrong thing to do. The liver doesn't steal a toenail, but just because they want to look pretty. I don't think anyone steals a toenail because they want to look pretty. 
But yeah. it's painted and it's sparkly. But sparkly. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. I, for these things that we're talking about, um, where if someone's going to be taking advantage of you or something like that, it's assuming the person is not part of the the body of Christ. Because within the body of Christ, like the the Bible is pretty clear about keeping each other in check. I mean, you're calling yourself a a representative of Christ, and if you're acting like not a representative of Christ, there's an obvious problem there, and the church is supposed to confront you about that. But this is this is assuming for all of these that this person is likely someone who's not a believer. Okay, so that brings us to uh, what are did we talk about this one? What the boundaries are? No. Okay. I see. Should there be yeah. boundaries? What? To yeah. Hospitality? What are the boundaries of hospitality? Should there be boundaries to hospitality? And is it wrong to set those boundaries? Or in other words, I, I said it like this: If I'm not asked for food every day, <laughs> does that mean on the days that I am asked for food, I should always say yes? Am I always? I think the hospitality is a hard thing to like set up rules for because I think it's more of a thing like we just need to look for God's wisdom in each situation. But there's probably like guidelines. Guidelines, but not rules. There's a difference. Hospitality is another word for giving, right? It's showing kindness. It's showing love to strangers. But it involves giving. Yeah, something. Well, I think in this case, I would take, like, after what Jesus did, when, like, if you ask God if he had any, if he had any reserve for giving somebody what they needed, what they really needed, is there a boundary for that for God? No. So why should there be a boundary for us? What makes us any better than God that we get to have boundaries and he doesn't? I I would disagree with you and say that simply because we aren't God, it's okay for us to have boundaries. Because God being who he is, in his nature, he has the ability to be limitless. Where we're human, we're limited. But... Because I'm not saying there's a, a clear black and white answer about what the quote-unquote boundaries of hospitality are or the rules for setting up those boundaries. But I think that if your first thought is to where the boundaries are, that's a problem. In other words... How do you know if you're using boundaries as an excuse? I don't think it's wrong to set up certain boundaries, okay? So, for instance, if I, if by opening up my home to someone, like, I end up homeless and dependent on someone else and become someone else's burden, like, I don't think it's necessarily wrong to set up boundaries to prevent that from happening. Mm-hmm. Anyone disagree with that? It's okay if you do. No, I think that's responsible. Give within your power. And God can give within everything because he has all the power. He is the power. 
that's why his giving is is um boundary. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> you mean doesn't have a boundary? Yes. Boundless. 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 That's why his giving is boundless because he can give everything and still be God. Oh, infinity is so confusing. Anyway. So, don't give out of your limits because then you'll be just like the um, parable of the man with a speck of dust in his eye and the man with a block in his eye. Kind of. Are you, I think what you're trying to say is don't in your don't become part of the problem. Does that make sense? Like if you're if you're your hospitality takes the form of bringing homeless people off the streets into your home, and then because you you if you because you use resources beyond what you have and somehow end up without a home and you become part of the homeless people. I think that you've just contributed to the problem there. I think part of it though is if you're really doing it with a true heart, you really think that'll allow you to just become a homeless person because you're trying to help them. I Because pro- I know there's this one example of a guy I know, he gave way beyond his means. Like you can even think of like tons of people. Like I think the dude that started JC Penny even is one example. Like he get, lived on like ten percent gave away ninety percent of his income instead of giving God ten. He took ten and gave away ninety and he still But see, that he was living within his means. He said, this is what I'm setting up. I have to live within this much. It's not like he said, I'm going to, you know, send out a million dollars and then somehow still make it work. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there's certain... Like, he set a a boundary for himself that said, I have to live within this margin. Anything outside of that, I'll give. Which I think is an example of a good boundary. Because then, if if he does end up living outside of his means, it falls back on him. You get what I'm saying? It's because he didn't follow that boundary. (laughs) I don't know if that's making any sense. Does anyone want to... Yes, that makes sense. <laughs> Anyone want to argue it? If not, then I would say that you, you, boundaries can either be used as a way of addressing a resource limitation, okay? Or they can be used as an excuse for not giving or being hospitable. And like I said, I think if your first thought is about what the boundaries of generosity must be, your your heart's probably not in the right place. You're probably not thinking about, well, I want to make sure I live within my resources. You're more thinking about, well, how far do I have to go? Does that make sense? See? I remember something that I was going to comment at. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, in a, a good... An example, we've been talking about examples of good boundaries, examples of bad boundaries is I won't give the, you might be able to function with 10%, but you want to keep 20% for like the stuff you want, 
new car or a new iPod or something like that. Something that heads back on materialism. Like, it would be setting a boundary and you're still giving 80%, but is that reserve bad? I mean, you're still giving 80% of your income, more than half of all you own, but you're saving back just a little bit more than what you absolutely necessarily have to have. So is it wrong to live um, beyond just the bare necessities? Exactly. That's a whole can of worms. <laughs> we we can come back to that and discuss it then. I just remember it right now. I just think I it, forgotten it during the conversation. I think of a different example again. Mm-hmm. I think of George Mueller. He gave beyond his means, literally beyond his means. He would ask for God for something, and he would get something that morning. Like it's not like he just said, "Okay, I'm gonna take in twenty kids." That way I can provide for them. He just kept taking more and more in, and then God kept providing more and more. I don't know if we can really make solid boundaries. That's it. I see what you're saying. I mean, our boundaries shouldn't limit God, right? That's, yeah. Yeah, which, I mean, that's where it gets a little, like, fuzzy. Like, you don't... That's why I'm saying there's not a clear-cut place where you... Like, what the boundaries are. But, I mean... I, I, at the same time, I think I, I feel like healthy boundaries should exist because as a person, you're limited. God isn't limited. <laughs> right. I, 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 it's, it's tricky. I'd almost rather live in God's bounds than my bounds. <laughs> maybe the difference there is that God had called him to take care of everything, and therefore because he called him, he was also going to take care of him. It's not like he just woke up and was like, hey, I'm going to give all my money away today. Yeah. But aren't we all called to the hospitality thing? So it's kind of, we just keep on giving. It's not like just one guy specifically was called to that. Like, he was specifically called to that, but just because that was a specific thing doesn't mean we're not all called to give. That's why I kind of... Here, okay, well, here's, here's the conclusion that I came to, and you can... You can argue it because it makes good discussion. Okay. The healthy boundaries are there because of your limitations. Stuff like the limit of the space in your own home. How much you can afford to budget weekly and still live. Right? But at the same time, God can work beyond those boundaries and enable you to work beyond those boundaries. And it's important to remember, again, that no one person has to do it all. Okay? That's what we're here for. But I think it's, yeah, I think it's each of our responsibilities to walk that line between using boundaries as an excuse and using boundaries as a way of being realistic, okay? Maybe that's too practical of me to talk about being realistic. But I think if you are trying to honestly set up healthy boundaries, I wouldn't be surprised if God makes, you know, just a little bit more room for every time that extra opportunity to be hospitable comes along. Thoughts? Comments? Disagreements? Uh-huh. It's really hard to do that now. I mean, like, applying it to my own life, to set boundaries, because 
right now, at least for me, I, I'm not settled down. Like, I have to think about college and stuff like that. And debt from college and loans. How could a college kid have monetary stuff to be hospitable with? Because any extra that we do make should go at least figuratively or whatever. I don't know the word. It should go to getting rid of that debt. Then well, once that's taken, you can be hospitable with your time. <laughs> that's I mean that's again I go back to hospitality doesn't look the same for every person and every situation is different and this is why I think that there have to be some boundaries because I don't think it's responsible that as noble as it might be to give a thousand dollars a month to an orphanage if you're defaulting on your loans that you already are in debt to someone like that's not responsible you know at all I mean that's not paying back what you've been, what someone has given to you, if you follow what I'm saying there. Anyone disagree with that, or want to challenge that? By all means, please do. We like discussions. Any other thoughts on that point? I'm not exactly going to challenge it, but on the other side, though, it's really still not hard or impossible to be hospitable as a college grad. I just graduated college. My first bills are going to start being having, having to be paid in November. And I just got my first one sent to me telling me, hey, this is what it's due. And it's only going to be $38 a month. Oh, never mind. So it's not like, oh, crap, I can't give anything because it's $38. My world is over. It's, it's still going to be doable if you have a job. <laughs> if you have a job, then this thing $38 a month, how is it going to be on this kind of Yeah, exactly. That's this the bare minimum. This minute. one's 10 years. If I would take it out that long, which I don't plan on taking it out that long. But I'm just saying, even, you even make so. Payments? Probably not even if I can. You can pay as much as you want. Yeah. Exactly. I asked, actually, yeah, like, should I put you... a thousand bucks on it right now? <laughs> it was like, not until you have a job. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's smart. But yeah, it's not going to be undoable. Shouldn't you... Shouldn't you take any extra money that you have to get that done and over with, and then you can move on? Because the faster you get that paid off, the fat, the less um, of a burden it's going to be on you financially. So that could open up more opportunities for you elsewhere. So, but then again, we never know when God's coming back. So now would be the time to get stuff in, you know, before it's due. I mean, let's not get too big here. <laughs> I mean, we don't know how... I, I mean, I'm serious. I mean, it, it's impossible. You can get overwhelmed thinking about the would-bes and could-bes and what-ifs. But I'm just saying, just as a basic I rule, you know, just a basic assumption here. This is holding true. There's always situations that fall outside of what's normal or <laughs> what is the ideal or anything like that. But just in general. Okay, that makes sense. Anyway, the last one here is sort of what 
Caitlin touched on the first time we were talking about this stuff was having a stranger in my home, stranger in my car, wherever, is not safe. Okay? What? I'm just thinking of my scenario with the car situation. <laughs> oh, boom! <laughs> it's, when you're it, not there, I said if a guy gets in your car and says, drive or whatever, you just speed up, and then he's not going to shoot you because he'll die if you crash. Or <laughs> you unbuckle him just as you slam on the brakes. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Hey, what you Oh, he turned the whole situation on himself <laughs> by pulling that gun and knife on him. Yeah, dad's gonna go. He's like, I'm gonna shoot you. Oh, I wanna be this guy. Just drive like this. Just drive. I got one. You do. In your coat pocket. Go ahead and drive it. Make it my day. Yep. Seriously, this one was kind of difficult for me. Because I think, even though it sounds like a pretty simple concern, like, it touches on a lot of, like, weird sociological assumptions that our society has about life and death and stuff like that. But I think, you know, can we all agree that hospitality always involves some kind of risk? I mean, whether it's you're going to lose your time, you're going to lose your money, you're going to lose some of your materials, you're going to lose your life. Okay? Now, obviously, it's there's... It's a battlefield out there. All of that's really... Some of those things seem like small things to lose. Some of them seem like really big things to lose. But it always involves risk. And the thing about hospitality is there's never a 100% guarantee of safety. Okay? And there's certainly not a 100% guarantee of repayment. Jesus said not even to expect that from people, I'm saying. From people on earth or from him? From people on earth. Okay. I was going to say, I didn't say that. This isn't, I don't mean this in a, like, throw yourself in harm's way intentionally kind of thing. You know? Like, if, if it was a situation that would be very stupid to put yourself in, like, just, just use common sense, okay? But at the same time, I think fear can hold us back. And this, when we're talking about getting stuff stolen from us, when we have people in our house, we said, you know, obviously it's not, it's not more important to have stuff than it is to show hospitality. Showing hospitality to someone, showing love to someone, and showing Christ to someone is always more important than stuff. I think that's pretty true. But... One of the things that I read when I was looking about this is it, it sort of did a, I don't know what kind of reasoning you'd call it. What would you call it, Ryan? When you have like, you start with this and then you go to this. Deductive reasoning? Yeah, probably deductive. Yeah. yeah. Philosophy. <laughs> but anyway, um, if hospitality is something Jesus commanded us to do, okay, and if we're followers of God, and if we belong to the kingdom of God. Which we do. Okay. Isn't it... Is that not more important than anything else? And does that anything else include your life? Like, I mean, this is... And this is an extreme situation that most of us will never be in, but in the, in the weird, off 
chance that you do find yourself in this situation. What do you do in a situation like this, you know? Is it possible that we're more attached to our life than doing the work of God? And really, doesn't that come back around to what the problem is with people in the first place? That we're too concerned, we're too attached to us, what we want, than to what God wants for us. And that, when I, when I, I never thought about hospitality like that, or putting yourself, sort of, going into a dangerous situation like that before. Um, because I thought, if you remember that story I told earlier about the, picking up the guy along the street, didn't know him, took him into Lewistown, I had those thoughts about, man, what if this goes bad? <laughs> and stuff like that. Like, I, I thought, what, what, what is it that really is, holding me back from doing that and as stupid as it sounds in that moment when that guy got in my car and he was beside me and it was just him and me and we were driving down the road I honestly for a brief second was scared for my life it was so weird because it, it sounds really stupid to say that but I was I was like what if this is it what if this guy actually it's like the nightmare story of picking up someone along the road and they have a gun and they want my money and stuff and they're just going to shoot me and drive off and then, you know, that moment passed, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I think it's really uncomfortable to think about that because there's verses in scripture that actually talk about that very situation. And one of them that I came across was John fifteen twelve, And in there it says... My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. This is Jesus talking. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. So, the greatest expression of love that we can show is laying down our own life, right? I mean, the one thing, the one unquestionably God-given thing that we have is our life. No one else can give life but God. And the greatest expression of love is to lay that down. And hospitality is love for strangers. And so if push came to shove, would I lay my life down for a stranger? Would I put myself in a situation where that was a realistic possibility? And I wondered, did does fear of death hold us back? Like, have we made death this thing that it's so... Yeah, ominous, and I don't know. A girl in Poe has. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, we, we've made it, it's just like, wow, you're gonna get killed, man. Like, that's... You're gonna die. That's the end. Like, we, we've made, very much made death an, an ultimate, right? But I look here, and I see that Jesus made death an ultimate, too. But it was an ultimate sacrifice, not... Not the ultimate something being taken from you. And I thought something else that was interesting is when we're out, like most of us have been on missions trips of some kind, right? We're a lot more willing to put ourselves in danger out on a missions trip than just like in everyday life. For instance, um, when I was in Jamaica, there's no way driving in those vans was safe. 
was, and it probably was not safe to walk even just with a friend from the work site back to our uh, where we were living because I mean like prostitutes and stuff like that and drug dealers they were they were along the road and everything and stuff like that and it's I mean were they gonna do something to you probably not but I mean it's, if I was going down a street in New York City where there was like drug dealers and prostitutes like I'd probably intentionally shy away from that street just to stay safe. Uh, Nick, were you in any dangerous situations? Yeah, but did you, I mean, did you ever hesitate? When Not you were really. On there? Caitlin, were you? Uh, yeah. I never felt in danger from other people so much. But there was a time we went over the bridge and the truck was lighter than the bridge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was just when you're all night, it doesn't really phase you. Yeah. Yeah. Right, okay, Caitlin, if you came up to a bridge that was narrower than your car, like driving the back country of Snyder County, or would you go across it? No. No. I, mean, I remember um, from York a couple years ago, I remember um, coming into the clinic the next the second morning that we were there and this woman was there and she was talking to another woman in their waiting room to like register and the clinic and stuff like that to get food and stuff and she was she was talking and this apparently this girl had gotten bashed because she was walking alone out on the street the street and um the first girl she was like what you need to get yourself is a man you ain't safe without a man but yeah, men are, men are, like, men are mean. They beat me and stuff like that. But yeah, but he gives you protection. He gives you protection from everybody else out there. And then, as the day went on, <clears throat> I actually got the opportunity to see her at the, again at the end of the day. And I picked up, somebody was talking to her, and they explained how Jesus could be the man, like, Jesus is your man. But he treats you fine. And she wrapped her head around that idea. And once it, it, it stuck, she it just looked like she was not afraid of anything. The world was at her feet. And it was awesome because I think that was the point where she met Jesus. And, I mean, t technically, shouldn't every day of our lives be like the first day of our life? Because you got your man, what should you be afraid of? Makes me think of an Alan Jackson. Yeah, Alan. No, not Alan Jackson. Stonewall Jackson. Stonewall Jackson quote um, where he has said, he said something like, My religion teaches me to be, or feel just as safe in the battlefield as I do sleeping in my bed at night or something like that. It's like, we should really live our lives every day not thinking we're in any kind of harm's way just because what can really happen to us anyway? Did either of you two, and on any trips, feel like you were in danger? Yeah, no. No. Well. I do. Baltimore? Yeah. I walked around Gulu, Uganda, with my roommate, like the two of us girls, alone. And we, like, it was fine, whatever. And I was afraid to walk out to the parking lot by myself at the Beaver Fair. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't think we, we don't. But it was because in Uganda, I'm like, well, I'm on a mission trip for God, so of course he's going to protect me in Beaver Springs. I'm like, okay, I'm all by myself. Which isn't true at all, but it's definitely a mindset. 
You, you yeah. don't really stop to think about that, do you? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, and that would, that really struck me because I thought, man, whenever I'm like, oh man, I want to, like I'm invincible, you know, <laughs> I'm going, not really, I'm not I'm invincible, but like I'm, I want to trip for God, you know, like, like Caitlin said, I should be, it's just what you do. But, I mean, I, my faith is no more real when I'm on a trip somewhere than it is whenever I'm back home. Okay, I might, now the way that I feel about my faith might change, but God's protection is just as real in Uganda or Jamaica or Haiti or Honduras or where anywhere that, than it is, you know, when you're just walking home or across the parking lot at the Beaver Fair or something like that. I think that we just oftentimes forget that we are we're vulnerable at that at that moment when we're on a missions trip somewhere. But I think our focus is so much on the trip, so much on what we're doing there, that we sort of overlook the danger of it. Like it's secondary to us. Right? Doing doing the uh the missionary work for God is what's first. At least that's that's what it sort of sounded like you said, Kate, right? And what about the rest of you? You think that's the case? Yeah. It's a whole different mindset. It is a whole different mindset. And I think somewhere between when we somewhere between when we get on the plane in the wherever we are that's <laughs> we're doing our mission work and when we get off the plane and go home, the mindset changes again to like the world is scary <laughs> again. And it's not yeah, the world is kinda scary. <laughs> and you know, what if you say that Jesus is your man or whatever that's great, but I mean, like, a bullet's still gonna kill you. And that's the realist. <laughs> that's, that's just being realistic. And it's just a fact of life that danger is always there. But. Sorry, I kissed him that way. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I should have looked at the time. Anyway, I say all that to say that. Sometimes we put too much value on our own lives and we let it get in the way of our hospitality. So that said, don't throw yourself in front of a car or anything. But, uh, yeah. All right. So that was a lot of rambling to get to where we were there. Any final comments or questions or something? So really what it all falls back to is is having your focus on Christ instead of yourself because whenever whenever you are focused on Christ and your like total attention is on him this stuff won't have to be such a hard choice if you really are focused on him it'll make the most sense in the world even with like focus on us now, like get, having a man get into your car and doesn't make sense, very much sense, or having somebody steal from you even though you know, like, you know they are, but you invite them anyway. That doesn't make sense, but like, whenever you're focused on Jesus, it makes total sense. So really what it comes down to is being closer to Jesus and always 
staying focused on him rather than your own life. I think that's a good way to summarize it. That um, For those of you who were here when I read that thing about the guy who goes out and he sees Jesus every Tuesday when he does his Meals on Wheels run, when, he, when the focus becomes on doing stuff for Jesus, when the stranger becomes Jesus, then a lot of these other things, a lot of the other concerns become secondary. They're still there, but they're not hard to overcome, or not as hard. Okay, anyone want to close in prayer? Two weeks from now, we'll wrap this up in a way that sort of shows hospitality and gives you the chance to give hospitality. Anyone want to close in prayer? No. I will then. All right, dear Lord, thank you um, for bringing us here tonight. Thank you for everyone's patience in going through this and tolerating the extra long time. I pray that you be with us as we go out and try to practice hospitality. Um, I know we'll fail a lot of times. I know we'll be scared a lot of times. Uh, but just help us to see that that stranger is you. Um, Whenever we're struggling to find our motivation to help someone that's difficult to love or difficult to help, uh, remind us that we can put your face in their in place of their face, and maybe that'll make it a little bit easier. Um, I pray that you be with us, each of us now as we go home. Keep us safe, um, and if it's your will, bring us back next week uh, and the week after that. I ask all this in your name. Amen. Uh -huh.